Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, and I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. This is part four of our series, Basic Training, and we're so glad that you joined us. Remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. I would also like to ask you to like, share this podcast to your favorite platform just to help our audience grow. I hope this is an encouragement and a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles, turn in the book of 1 John chapter 4 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 John chapter 4, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we've been in a series, uh, basic training, and uh, I'm excited about this morning. It's going to be simple. We are celebrating um, water baptisms here uh, in just a few moments, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Great day, great day. So, First John four and Second Corinthians ten. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, just the work of your Spirit in our hearts and lives, Lord. We pray for that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray that our eyes be open, our ears open, our hearts open, Lord, and just to the voice of your Spirit, stirring, working, drawing, uh, changing, just doing your work in the sight of us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 John 4, 4 and 2 Corinthians 10, 3, it will be on the screen. Also, of course, you have your notes. You can go to, if you have the Bible app or version. you can go there and do events, and our church will come up, and the notes will be there as well. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, dear, bro- dear children. You belong to God, dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Now, John is writing, he's talking about false teachers. And so we're not reading the whole passage or context, but there specifically he's talking about false teachers that had come into the church. And then he says this, and this is our, the, the part we're focusing on. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And if there's something I've said over and over and over again, I I want you to understand something that even in our, I guess, our physical plane, for lack of a better way to say that, I guess, there's also... a. There's a spiritual plane, there's, and there's a war going on between two kingdoms, and that's the kingdom of Satan, and that's the kingdom of God. And we're, we're kind of here in the middle, but I'm going to tell you how you know uh, what's happening uh, between those kingdoms is when there's bondage and, and destruction and hurt, that's the, that's the enemy. When people are getting saved and delivered and healed and, and peace and those types of things happen, that's the kingdom of God being established. And so there's this battle between these, um, these two kingdoms, but what we do know is, is that the enemy is here and he's out to, to, to steal, kill, and destroy. He's walking about like a roaring lion, the seeking who may devour, two different scriptures of the Bible tells us. And because of that, there is an antichrist spirit that is, that is a part of this world. And I'm going to tell you, we, we, we face it more than we realize it. Come on, somebody help me now. We face it more than we, we, we really realize. And it may be something we never see physically, but I'm going to tell you, you can feel it. 
Because, but I want you to know, the Bible wants you to know that the Spirit who lives in you, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is more powerful, greater than the Antichrist spirit of the world. Then we get to 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and I know this verse we've looked at a few times kind of in different scenarios, but this morning I want to use that as a text. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3, it says, we are human. Would you agree with that statement? We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. How do humans rage war? Humans rage war through their militaries and through physical means. Verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons. And if you're a Bible highlighter or underlighter or circler or anything like that, I would encourage you to circle, underline that word mighty weapons because I'm going to show you something this morning that I would dare say maybe you've never seen before in Scripture. But it says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. I mean, this connects with 1 John 4 because a lot of those arguments and things being set up against the kingdom of God is the root of that is the enemy. Whether it be false teachers in the church or the influence of the enemy and, and the media and all that's going on and taking place. We don't rage war as human do. We use God's mighty weapons, not world weapons, and knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And so things that, the, that humanity uses to reason against God is a stronghold of the enemy. Are you following me? Those false arguments used against the things of God are, are strongholds of the enemy. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and I want to emphasize the word to you there even in verse 5. It, it, it doesn't say Paul or God or that first word in verse 5. What, what does it say? Who does that? We do. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Here's the first point I want you to know this morning is that all Christ, all that Christ has already accomplished is one of our weapons. How does that make sense? Everything that Christ has already done according to the word of God is one of our weapons because the power that we have is not within us. Like we don't, we don't stir that up. It's something that God puts in you by his spirit. And he's able to do that because of what Christ has accomplished. Are you following me this morning? And so that work of the Holy Spirit in us, we talked about the verse last week or a couple of weeks ago, for it is God that works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. All that Christ has accomplished. And it, so, like, we don't have time, of course, to go into all that. There's some over, you know, 300 prophecies about Christ, and we have seen the majority of them um, come to pass. But I want to emphasize in Isaiah 53, a lot of us are going to be familiar with this passage, but Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, 
We are healed. These are all things that Christ paid for. These are all things that Christ accomplished because of the cross. That your sins are forgiven. That your bent, our, our human nature that has a bend towards evil, Christ has broken that pattern in our life. That we battle and war and, and can't sleep and there's this, 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 this constant battle going on with our hearts. But through God we have a peace that surpasses all understanding that has been brought to us because the chastisement, the punishment that was put on Jesus. Are you with me? You can be completely made whole in your body because of what Christ suffered at the cross. He was pierced. That, that spear went into a side where blood and water flowed, the, hand, the nails in his hand and his feet, and that was for our transgressions. The Bible says, right, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he does what? He is just and able and he'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In just a few moments, are going to be those that, that's part of what happens here when we do this immersion in water, this baptism, is that it's a signify of how Christ has washed sins. Jesus was crushed. The weight of the cross, the agony of the scourging, what was that about? That was about that, that breaking of the sinful nature in our life. Jesus was punished. That God's wrath that was due, to, due for us, but God's wrath was poured out on his son so that you could know peace and have peace with the Father. He was wounded so that we could be made whole. A second weapon... A second weapon at our disposal is faith. And I know that's a real simple one, right? But it is a weapon, and I intended to talk about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. I may do that next week, but so we may look at faith a little bit deeper. But a second weapon at our disposal is faith. 1 John 5, 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world. We achieve this victory through what? Through faith. It happens through faith. Faith, and the Bible says, is that all of us have been given a seed of faith. I mean, sometimes we feel like that, you know, we may not have the faith of, of Billy Graham or the faith of Angela, if you've hung out there at all. I, we, we may not have that much faith, but we've been all been given a seed of faith. And Scripture tells us that's all that we need to move mountains, is that seed of faith. Is that what we see as a small measure, but God says, do not despise small beginnings. Through that small seed, the, the, the faith that can grow on the inside of us, we achieve victory against this evil world through what? Faith. Faith in all that I just talked about just a moment ago, that through Jesus' blood, through that scourging of his body, through him carrying that cross, faith, believing and knowing that Christ did that for me is a tool, is an enemy, is a, is a, is a weapon against the enemy. We also, and this is what I was referring to, when we read that, we use God's mighty weapons in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We have righteousness as a weapon to both defend ourselves and to attack. To defend ourselves and to attack. 
to defend ourselves and to attack. And I and just to remind you, the Bible says is that what we battle against is not flesh and blood. I, you know, I'm not talking about us. You know, we're not going to go kidnap somebody we want to see get saved and tie them up in the. Is that too? Did I go too far? <laughs> you know, get saved or I don't know what I'm going to do. I, you know, we're not talking about that type of thing. What we're talking about is what we engage in in the spirit realm as we pray, as we intercede, as we live this life of faith. 2 Corinthians 6.5. So we have righteousness as a weapon. And just, just for simple definition, righteousness is acting rightly, acting correctly, in which we can never do. And there's a few of you that are a little, little more not there than the rest of us, but... but acting rightly acting righteous the only way we measure up in righteousness is because of the righteousness of Christ but 2 Corinthians 6 5 we have been beaten this is is Paul writing the Corinthian church this is a powerful passage We, we have been beaten put in prison faced angry mobs Worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding. And really, when you look at this passage, the way you need to maybe catch this in your heart and your mind's eye is so here's Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, This is what I, this is a circumstance in life that I've gone through. I have been beaten for the gospel. I've been put in prison for the gospel. I have faced angry mobs because of the gospel. I've worked to exhaustion because of the gospel. I've had sleepless nights. I've gone, I've, I've gone through all of these things. But look, if you read it this way, but in all of these things, whether I've been beaten and put in prison or angry mobs or worked to exhaustion or endured sleepless nights or gone without food, I have still lived a life of purity. I have still left, lived a life of understanding. I still have lived a life of patience and kindness by the Holy Spirit within us. When any of us ever face a difficult season, I would dare say that our instant reaction to that circumstance is not patience. Anybody. I have, my, uh, Kaylee just this week was telling me, me and Chase are going to have to have a talk about his uh, road rage. He's got, a, he's got a little bit of road rage. I didn't say anything, but I thought, maybe he's been in the vehicle with me too much. <laughs> Apple didn't far fall from the tree, I guess. Huh? Like, what are you thinking? Anyway. I mean, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm not, I'm just, my reaction sometimes is not, oh, the Lord bless you, you know. <laughs> Drive well, my son. <laughs> no one's like you. Dummy, what are you doing? <laughs> Kindness, when we're going through, I mean, I mean, think about it. Paul, say, I have been beaten for the gospel, yet I still act in a way of kindness. You see, the Bible says that we don't return insult for insult or railing for railing, but blessing so that we all also may inherit a blessing. 
And that doesn't happen out of our nature. That happens out of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And when that work of the Holy Spirit is in us and we're going through those trials of life and we respond with patience and endurance and long-suffering and kindness and purity, that's a weapon in our hand against what the enemy would try to work against us. Strongholds, and what it means is, a, is to fortify. A, it's a strong castle, but here is a spiritual definition of what a stronghold is. A, a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. So what is a spiritual? I mean, when a spiritual stronghold takes shape, takes form, comes to fruition, its evil gets entrenched. I mean, it, if you've looked and uh, watched a movie or or uh, anything, and uh, especially about World War One, how I mean, World War One was was trench warfare. Has anybody ever seen that? I mean, that's I mean, stalemated for months on end, and you know they just had their their trenches and they they dug in, and that's exactly what the enemy tries to do. And when we're talking about strongholds forming. Whether it be these strongholds can attack our church, our family, our city, whatever it may be, evil wants to get entrenched. And evil and strongholds, when that happens, when it gets entrenched, it is not easily exposed. It is not easily exposed. And it is the enemy's, it, it's well defended. And that's exactly what the picture we need in our head is the enemy digging those trenches and digging in. Why? Because he, once again, remember, this reminds you, he hates you. And it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or a non-believer, that Satan hates you. Strongholds are established in our lives in different ways. It can, it can happen because of a deep wound, a hurt. It can happen because we hold on to unforgiveness. It can happen because of us holding on to bitterness or offense. It can happen because we're holding on to an addiction, a sexual addiction or substance addiction. It can happen through uh, manipulation and control. And those open up the doors for the enemy to get entrenched in, in really that sinful nature that we're already battling with. And it is, it's just like... That's what locks up the chain, and he drives a stake in the ground. I mean, that needs to be the image of what it is when the enemy gets a stronghold in our life. And so hurt and disappointment make our hearts fertile ground for seeds from the enemy to be planted. Hurt and disappointment make our hearts fertile ground for seeds from the enemy to be planted. And as I was thinking about this, I here in just a few days, um, on Thursday, a lot of our pastors from our area uh, were getting together, and uh, we, we get together once a month, and, um, and, and well, most of the time it's like a service, and, and, you know, anyway, I don't get into all that, but, uh, but the, the Thursday we're having a prayer meeting, and this has been something that's really been stirring in our hearts. And so the pastor of this area, which, I mean, we cover, you know, McKamey, uh, uh, Pecos, Midland, Odessa, this is surrounding area, and we're getting together, and we're going to spend a, a couple hours Thursday morning, and we're praying. And so the president asked me to lead in a prayer over strongholds in our city. And, you know, th 
let me just maybe be real about that. Let me, you know, because I know maybe stronghold, it might sound like some, you know, some super spiritual term, but let me just relate it to you practically. I, there's, a, there's a lot of people, whether in our city or others, maybe we have close friends or family, there's a lot of people that had some bad, hurtful experience with church at some point in their life. Maybe, I'm going to tell you, if you have never been hurt in church, hold on. If you've never been hurt in church, you haven't been going to church long enough. <laughs> That's just reality. And But what happens so many times is that something happens, whether when we're young, it happens sometimes when we're young, or we're, at some point it happens, and, what, and that hurt, remember what I talked about last week? It puts those lenses on our eyes, and so we see Christians, and we see church through a certain lens. And you know what that is? That's a stronghold. That's a stronghold in someone's life. I'm going to tell you the church is not perfect because we're all human. I, I tell people all the time that we're the perfect church for imperfect people. I, I know you know my mama's sayings very well, but I grew up, my mama had two different sayings. She said all the time. She said, if it wasn't for hypocrites, we wouldn't need church. I mean, that is, we, we have that human nature. We don't get it right all the time. She also said she'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with them. I, heard, I told her, I said, one day I'm going to do a coffee book of some of her quotes when I was growing up. Listen, we, and that hurt, and the enemy will use that, and so we, then we begin to paint with this broad brush. Well, them Christians, well, that church, I'm, am I getting too real? Is that? And I'm going to tell you, I, it may be a heavy weight, I don't know, but but you and I can make the difference. You and I can make the difference. So strongholds are barriers that keep us from knowing God. The Bible, we read it in our text, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Again, I'm not saying that yeah, we're going to you know, like, you know, duct tape people up and throw them in the trunk to get them to know Jesus. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let the Holy Spirit do that. <laughs> but I, this verse, I want to read it in the ESV. I, maybe I, I don't know if it's popped up at some point, but strongholds are barriers to keep us from knowing God. But in the ESV, I've been reading out the New Living and Heaven is the series, but it says we destroy arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. And this, when it's talking about these lofty opinion or these proud obstacles, that wording in the Greek, remember, okay, here, so we're going we're gonna to talk about it again, I know, I, but there, there's a reason I'm doing this, and one of the reasons I'm doing this is to help us be able to relate what was written 2,000 years ago into our life today. And so when it was originally written, it, there was an original meeting to a, original people with an original author, I mean, just to keep it short. But when he, Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church, and he said, 
this lofty opinion, this, this thing raised up against God, it was written in a way in the Greek that they had a mental image immediately in their heart. And you know what that was? It was the Tower of Babel. When Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church, immediately that first century church knew that was the, the, the illustration, the example of the Tower of Babel. And if you, remember, you can read it in Genesis 11. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But that's about the high things being raised up. Remember, they're going to build a temple and they're going to reach heaven. And that's when God said no, and, you know, and he dispersed them. Paul wasn't referring to some tall building but he was telling people, listen, there are people's belief systems, there, there are people's experiences, and it's blocking the accurate view of God. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying that people view of who God really is, who Jesus really is. There's this thing, this, this, this false wall of opinions and arguments that's blocking of how God really needs to be seen. And we are supposed to take every thought captive and to bring it down. That's what we do. Those arguments that, are, that people have set up in their hearts against God, we've got to be a part of helping tearing that down, not strengthening it. And so, what, so what's something we can do? I'm going to tell you what we can do. One is we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. So the Son of, can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. I mean, in the name of Jesus, sitting like, you know, some magic pin number to somebody's bank account. That's not, that's not what it is. It's not the, I don't know what the, the whole mega million thing I I think, is, is it, are we getting close to a billion or somebody finally win it? I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's not the secret numbers to, you know, the mega millions. There is an authority in the name of Jesus. And when we pray in the name of Jesus, it, it, that, that's the authority that we stand on. We don't stand on what we've done because we haven't done a whole lot. But Jesus has accomplished everything. And so when we begin to see, listen, when you're praying for a lost loved one to come to salvation or, or you're seeing a situation of, of bondage and uh, you know, spiritual hurt or, 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 or addiction, when you pray and you're praying for them, we pray in the name of Jesus. Because why, why do we do that? The Bible tells us that before we even knew God, <laughs> he loved us. And while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we pray in the name of Jesus for those strongholds to, be, to come down, to, for truth to be seen, for people to see light. It tells us in, in 14 and 15 of 1 John 5, this 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. You know what pleases God? You know what pleases him? People's lives being turned around. People being set free, forgiven. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he'll give us what we ask for. Number two is pray with faith. Remember, this is one of our weapons, and so we're also... Gonna, we live a life of faith, but we pray with faith. You can, Matthew 21, 22, you can pray for anything if you have faith. 
you'll receive it. You can pray for anything when you have faith, and you'll receive it. And yes, I'm taking one verse out of a out of a passage, but and I'm not saying that you know I I know there's all kinds of um, uh, uh, beliefs and and you know things people adhere to. I'm not I'm not saying you know, go pray for your jet and you're going to get a jet. You know that's that's I, I think that's a little. Uh, misapplies what scripture teaches us here but i'm going to tell you whatever you pray you've got to know you've got to you've got to know it in your heart the bible says that we come boldly to the throne of grace and we make our requests made known to him and we can come to that throne because of how we i started out this morning of that forgiveness and that scourging and that price that christ paid and our relationship with the father has been reconciled and so we can come to god in faith knowing that he hears us you got to pray with faith. The third thing is to pray for help. And I do think we overlook this one sometimes. I, the last couple of weeks, there's been several situations that I've just, I didn't really know what to pray. And I was praying, and, and I just kind of sat there. Matter of fact, one, one afternoon, I went on my back porch, and I, I sat down in and, and my chair there and was just sitting. And, and I was like, I know I need to pray. I don't know what to pray. I've prayed in the Spirit. I mean, the Bible says the, the Holy Spirit prays through us when we don't know what to pray. And I feel like I had done that. And I just kind of stopped for a moment and I said, God help. God help. Sometimes you just need to ask the Lord for help. We will go to ev- make phone calls. We'll text everybody. We'll do passive-aggressive social media posts when sometimes we just ask God for some help. Number four is this, pray for discernment. If you're going to engage in spiritual warfare for this battle, you've got to pray for discernment. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see that the spirit they have comes from God. There is a whole lot of people out there that are saying God told me or Jesus said, and they, they're like, what? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about, uh, you know, when we preach sermons. and I, I, it, 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 This happened in our churches. I, I can't remember what we were at, but I was at a table full of people. Don't remember who the people were. And so, we're t- and so I had preached something that week, and, and different ones that were on the table was like, yeah, when you said this, and you preached this. And, and each one, they all had a different take. And I'm, I remember coming home to Angela and said, you know, told her all about it. And I said, here's the thing, though. I didn't say any of that. I said, that's not even what I was preaching. And so I talk about all the time, there's usually what's said, what's heard, and what we think is said. And that's okay. The Holy, I think the Holy Spirit can do that sometimes. I, a lot of times, he can take something I say or somebody preaches, and then it, it just, he rearranges it the way it needs to be arranged it to hit our heart. But we need to pray for discernment. We need to test the see if the Spirit comes from God. There are many false prophets in the world. Listen, church. Listen, pray that God give you discernment. I know that 1 Corinthians 12, 11 talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and 1 Corinthians 12, 11 that 
Um, it's all as the Spirit wills, but I believe that we can all pray for a spirit of discernment. There's a lot of things being said from the church. There's a lot of churches saying a lot of things. There's a lot of division in a lot of churches. We need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. And if I may be so bold, what we see happening throughout denominations in our nation are strongholds that have gone on and on and on and no one has confronted and we need to be a people of discernment we need to be a people of discernment I'm going to ask you to stand this morning if you would and... I hope that this sermon was a blessing to you thank you once again for joining us and remember if you're ever in the vicinity of Odessa, Texas we would love to meet you in person. Find more information about us at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you.